0: Well, I did it. I I did it. I am I am I am announcing to the world that I give up. I can no longer compete in normal society. I'm miserable, so I may as well be comfortable. Quoting the great Jerry Seinfeld, I've 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 decided. I just I came to the Gateway Lounge in sweatpants today, and I feel uh, great. I to channel my inner Kramer uh, when he when he went commando. I, I I'm free, and I'm loving every minute of it. So. It's a, I don't know, it's a big step for me. Uh, I did it at Northern State in Aberdeen on uh, on Saturday night for the uh, parents' tailgate before the game and, and just wore sweatpants in this, in fact, this exact same thing that I'm wearing here today with my new Northern State uh, pullover, and I feel fine. I think the world's changing, Mad Zimmer. You, I know you've made the leap a couple times to sweatpants at the grocery store during COVID, but uh, where, where, where do you come out on this one? I, uh... Yeah, welcome to middle age, John. You've officially <laughs> arrived. <laughs> but it's but it's it, it's a trend set by the young kids. They're all wearing they're all wearing the joggers and like uh, sweatpants. Okay. Sweatpants oh. these days look more like. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying they look like slacks, slacks, right. but I, uh, they look better. Ba- I don't. F- I
1: pay no attention to what the, the younger generation they're, does or well, dresses in. I've so had, I've had three. Um, it's funny. Uh, <laughs> Jen and I went to uh, uh, have a few beers on Sunday after we spent the whole afternoon house cleaning. And uh, she was like, let's go, you know, go somewhere and have a beer or something. And and I was kind of like, okay, I guess. And she's like, I just need an excuse now and then to wear, like, actual human clothes. <laughs> because we both work from home now. So we both spend almost all of our time in, you know, shorts and T-shirts or sweatpants and tank tops. And um, I mean, especially, you know, Jen, she likes to get fancy oh, if she yeah. can. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, every once in a while it's like, let's just try to, like, Look like humans once a week if we can, <laughs> and I was even kind of like, "Do I have to? Can I just, you know?" But I did put on a pair of jeans and I think I wore a hat. But anyway. Okay, uh, congratulations. I
0: well, I, I normally think that way, but uh, these I, I, I I'm I don't know if you saw me when I'm walk. I don't know. I they uh, I, I I don't care as much obviously, or else I'm not taking the leap. There's part of me. It's not just like what are other people thinking. It's kind of like a. There, there's there's barriers, there's boundaries we make you know a lot of us if we ever go to Walmart, we make fun of the people there. It was a great Walmart experience in Aberdeen <laughs> as we were getting our beer before the tailgate on, on Saturday there was there was there was some fun stuff that's not appropriate to talk about here but uh, you know it's kind of like well at, at the very least can I just put on a regular pair of pants or jeans? Although shorts are, shorts are more acceptable, socially acceptable, especially in the summertime, our friend Greg up in the Twin Cities, he refuses to ever, ever dare Wear shorts even if it's ninety-five degrees outside. Ooh, I didn't know that about men, Greg. Because men shouldn't show their legs and be. I'm you know, vehemently dopes. opposed to that.
1: I wear, <laughs> I'll wear shorts three sixty-five if the weather's appropriate.
0: But I've always been like, no, I'm not gonna. I don't care if you wear sweatpants or you, you sir, and you there and you ma'am. But you know, it's just not me. Even if I'm just going to a casual place like the Gateway Lounge.
1: I don't know, on a Tuesday afternoon when heart, when you know what that probably means. That probably means Greg has to wear two pairs of underwear every time he goes out <laughs> because otherwise his ass <laughs> sweat would be ah. showing through his pants when it's 99 degrees outside. When he's just, refusing to wear shorts. That would
0: suck so much. Yeah. And you know, Greg, he doesn't wear like, he doesn't wear like cool, casual, comfortable, like slacks that have cool, some sort of technology. He wears fucking jeans and uh, that's yeah. just gross and would suck. So anyway, I, I, but I think like the modern sweatpants, that yes, the kids wear, and I notice because I go to I, I do a lot of college, uh, high school football and basketball games, especially the basketball games. When I do right too, John. Next I don't notice that sections. stuff. Uh, mostly, my kids are 16 to uh, 23, and they, you know, and it's been this way for five years where they come over to the house a lot, and they're going out to do things with friends. Their friends come over, and uh, they're they're all. I mean, they're all. We're, they don't. None of them hardly ever wear jeans. It's all—it's all these joggers that are like skinny sweatpants, and they almost look like pants. And they pull it up. I bet Jackson wears them every now and then here. And uh, it seems like it's more acceptable for women to wear that kind of stuff out in public, except
1: for Jen. But I mean, women can wear whatever they want if the depending on what they're working with but <laughs> anyway since my walmart experience the
0: other day uh. uh by the way so i put on twitter just for fun at john gaskins 981 for adults are sweatpants now acceptable uh clothes to wear in everyday society outside of the workplace stores casual restaurants sporting events etc 42 percent said yes 32 percent said no 26 percent I gave the option. It depends on how they look. I think if you're in the George <laughs> Costanza big baggy frumpy sweatpants, like like we most of us would wear around the house, nada. But you know, you yeah. wear something that looks a little bit like
1: As I've gotten older I've gotten to be a pretty big fan of like the the kind of sweatpants track pants hybrid, yeah. you know? Like with the snaps on the legs and uh-huh. the elastic waistband, yeah, those are. I wore those yesterday to the grocery store. So, oh, you did. Okay,
0: yeah. but you, you draw the line at coming to. Places. No, I don't
1: draw the line. I just <laughs> you I, don't I mean, think I of just, it. I grab whatever's sitting there and is clean. But it's yeah. funny,
0: and I'm start, again. I think these sweatpants look more like real pants anyway. But the first thing that uh, our lovely server said to us the second she saw me today, oh. your sweatpants today okay going casual I like it. So that's why we
1: spent the first 15 minutes talking about this. It's been
0: five (laughs) calm down it's gonna be fine uh I did I did wear them up at uh, Northern State for what it's worth uh Northern State's catching up with USF and Augie and facilities game day atmosphere uh I hadn't been there in four years we have our second son playing there our first son lasted a year and then he transferred and it just wasn't for him up there but uh we have a second one that's there as a red shirt, and so we went to kind of our one game where he's a red shirt, obviously not playing, but we went in to soak in the atmosphere, go say hi to him, meet other parents, which we really didn't. We just went to the parents' tailgate and drank their booze and ate their food and said hi to a few people. Uh, Northern states, I'm not saying anything was bad, but they are they're stepping their game up. You kind of got to when you're way out there in the middle of nowhere and you're competing with the Sioux Falls schools and Mankato and Duluth and all those folks. And uh, uh, you know what, Matt? Stadiums matter. Yeah. (laughs) Stadiums matter. And theirs is amazing.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, Mike Schmidt, their new coach, told me before the season, I asked him, you know, what's been the impact of the new stadium? And he said, it gets us indoors we didn't used to get in as far as recruiting. No kidding. Yeah.
0: Yes. And these are kids they probably haven't been there yet to see it. But, um, you know, when you don't have to drive to a high school stadium to play at a high school field, uh, and the parents don't have to tailgate in a dirt slash mud mm-hmm. uh, tailgate lot, literally next to the high school. It kind of means something, kind of makes a difference. So, hey, while I was uh, up there doing that, while I was, uh, well, my husband and I were competing against his uh, ex wife and the kid's other stepdad. In bean bags and getting drunk and eating too much and drinking too much, uh, you were covering, uh, you know, jackrabbits and you. a lot to digest here, a lot more than I thought. I thought we would after a, a, a jackrabbit versus Sioux game. And
1: uh, what you said, fighting Sioux. Oh, uh, the, the Hawks. Sorry, shame Swear on Jar.
0: You. Uh, looks like the jackrabbits now kind of have three rivals
1: that are a little bit bigger rivals than everybody else.
0: The bison, the uh, goats.
1: And I, I, I think it's a stretch to start trying to call the UND thing a rivalry Well, it game. seems like
0: a heavy con- contentiousness between programs. Well, groups. after what happened on
1: Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Was,
0: was it ever anything like that before? Or did, no. Did something no. get born? No. Okay. I,
1: I think uh, the fact that this was the biggest game UND has had in a long time, one yeah. of the biggest games of their D1 era. Yes, yeah. um, There was a lot of hype. The place was full, and UND jumped out to a big lead looked for a few minutes like they were gonna win the game and maybe roll, you know. Certainly not that I or anyone else watching I think gave up on the Jacks, but just kinda like, wow, this might be happening again where SDSU follows up a big win with a stinker. And uh, UND's fans certainly felt like they were rolling and it completely fell apart on them. And then, uh, you know, SDSU got called for some penalties and then there was a, one big one in particular, a targeting that injured one of their players and didn't look awesome as it happened, you know, and gave people an excuse to be angry and, you know, accuse the Jacks of being dirty and all those sorts of things. And we can talk about that play a little bit later. But, um, yeah, all those things, you know, those are the kind of things that do create rivalries, that create animosity. Uh, those UND fans, you know, it was literally kind of a insult to injury sort of thing. You know, it's bad enough you blew this 14-point lead and ended up kind of getting your ass kicked. You know, the Jacks scored 35 points in a row at one point. Yep. Um, and then on top of it, having them, you know, injure one of your players and, and have a couple taunting penalties on top of it. Um, you know, I, I, like I said, we can talk about that in a little bit, but yeah, I mean that, that, that's going to add something to it, you know, and, and, and also rivalry or not SDSU's players, which I greatly enjoyed, were more than happy to celebrate the fact that, yeah, we went three and O against the Dakotas. You know, I made the joke about being NCC champions of 2022 and you know, they were like, "All right, let's print up the shirts. Let's do it." Yeah, I mean, they 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 clearly were like, "This that's important. That means something." There's four Dakota schools in this conference. They're all pretty good. Good, yeah. And SDSU beat all three of them in three consecutive weeks. Yeah, you know. yeah. Dakota's tour 2022,
0: baby. Uh, I, I, if you don't mind, I, I'll target in on this t-
1: targeting thing. <laughs> Interesting choice of words. Because yeah.
0: what point of the game was this? What was the score? What had had been happening just prior to that? Uh, I don't remember exactly
1: where it was. I could actually find it by going through my Twitter notes during the game. Um, It was in the second half.
0: Okay, so so SDSU had already mounted a comeback.
1: I believe they had taken
0: the lead by then. Because they fell behind 14-0 and 21-7 and they were down 21-14 at half. And then third quarter, I mean, they just started scoring at will in the third quarter. Yeah. Yeah, they scored two touchdowns by the seven-minute mark, you know, five minutes into the second half, they had taken a seven-point uh, deficit and it taken It was after
1: the Jacks had gone up 42-21. Oh, okay. So when they so, had completely yeah. taken over and put the game away. They had
0: already at that point scored. Uh, Which
1: I think lends itself to that probably increased the angst over yeah. the play. Yeah. You know, people are already pissed off. And when I say people, I mean both the fans and the players. You know, UND is like, cool, we thought we were going to beat the number one team in the nation, now we're getting our asses kicked at home. That was in the midst of a
0: 35-0
1: jackrabbit run. Yeah, yeah. And then, like I said, insult to injury, then that happens. Um, Let's just acknowledge a couple things. It was clearly targeting. Um, If you go by, you know, any sort of, if you look at what the definitions are of targeting, and I know we always talk about what even is targeting anymore because we see so many, Plays, replays, where we go, how is that not targeting? And they don't call it. And other ones where they call it, we're like, how was that targeting? Like, there's definitely an inconsistency in how it's called. And fans of all teams are are frustrated by that. But looking at at this play, uh, in real time, it looked pretty ugly. Um, The sound was, I mean, it it, it sounded like a firecracker. I mean, he just crushed the guy. Graham Spaulding's a player, linebacker for the Jacks. And what kind of a play was this? Were Uh, they wide receiver kind of got hung out to dry by his quarterback and i'm not saying it's the quarterback's fault you know wide receivers going over the middle has been you know the most dangerous play in football since the advent of the forward pass um but he was a defenseless receiver and uh and and graham put the wood to him Uh, like i said it was clearly targeting he you know, it was a, a. I don't remember exactly what the wording is in the rule, but basically, like he aggressively attacked the player who was a defensive receiver. There were all these people saying, "Well, he didn't lead with his helmet." You don't look at the look at how the rule is written. You don't have to lead with your helmet for it to be targeting. Because no, Graham didn't lead with his helmet. He led with his shoulder. Uh, and by saying it was targeting, I'm not saying that Graham's you know dirty or that he did anything wrong. Because the one thing in the aftermath of it. You know, people are arguing on Twitter. Was it targeting? Wasn't it? Is Graham dirty? Is he not? Um, I have a really hard time criticizing Graham Spaulding and certainly, you know, impugning his character or anything like that for a play that seven years ago, as I was saying earlier, would have been celebrated with a jacked-up segment on TV. Mm-hmm. But You remember that? That used to oh be yeah. a thing.
0: Oh yeah, you just got jacked, jacked
1: up. up. Yeah, and it was for hits exactly like that one. That would have been a legal hit a few years ago. 20 years ago, geez, back when I played, you could launch yourself like a human torpedo leading with your helmet. Mm -hmm. Guys were celebrated for that. We used to call guys like Ronnie Lott and Chuck Cecil headhunters. You know, you had these these free safeties that went over the middle just looking to kill people with their helmets.
0: Part of the celebration of football. Yeah, yeah.
1: And I'm not saying that was right. I'm not saying we aren't doing the right thing now by trying to get those hits out of, of football. And, you know, this player that Graham Spaulding hit, I mean, in in the moment, it looked like he was really hurt. He was down for a while. Um, I hope he's okay. I mean, he eventually got up and walked off. I hope he's okay. Um, I'm sure Graham Spaulding hopes he's okay. He made a quasi-apology on Twitter about it. Um, It's just hard for me to get really worked up about this because this is football. You know, it's a violent game, and no matter what we do to change the rules and try to make it safer, it's never going to be fully safe. And a lot of the people who are criticizing Graham Spaulding and, you know, saying what a dirty hit well, you've never played football. And I hate to be that guy to, well, you never played stuff. But but if you haven't, you don't understand um, how how difficult it is to ask someone in a – A fraction of a second, you know, when the ball the play is right in front of him The ball is right there, you know, to react in a way that isn't targeting or that's part of the problem with these rules It's like there's only so much you can do when a player's job is to is to tackle someone to bring them down to hit them Whatever
0: well Um, and part of the game too for defensive players is it not is to uh, Within the rules give it a little extra oomph give it a little extra pop because you, you, you do want to kind of crush somebody's will yes. physically within the rules. That's yeah. part of football. They're, is that they're going to be a little more tired
1: and shell shocked, mentally and physically, if you hit them hard. What kind of adjectives over the years are used to describe players like Ray Lewis and Lawrence Taylor and you know name name your defensive star? And bone J. crushers. J. Watt, yeah, intimidating. Yeah. We always hear the word intimidating. That 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 serves a purpose. And so again, I'm not trying to necessarily defend Graham Spaulding or say that his hit uh, Shouldn't be illegal That it, I, I think it, we're doing the right thing By trying to take dangerous hits like that Out of the game, but there's only so much you can do You can never make a sport like football Fully safe, and that's just sort of the The, I don't know, oxymoron Of it, talking about safe, making football safe I mean, that's like saying make boxing safe Make auto racing safe I mean, there's an inherent level of violence That's mm-hmm. always going to be there Having said all that
0: Here's the eye test. The
1: other part of the – well, beyond that, um, Graham Spaulding also got a taunting penalty on the same play. He hits the guy, and it looked to me like his momentum from hitting the guy or maybe his hand, jersey, or whatever got tangled up with the receiver, he fell on top of him. And then while he was laying on top of him, it looked like he you know, said something like, yeah, you like that, or you know, I have no idea what he said, but it sure appeared that he was taunting the guy as he was on the ground. And I don't even know if the guy was conscious. I mean, Graham had really laid him out. And Graham said later, "I didn't realize he was hurt. If I did, I wouldn't have done that." I'm inclined to believe him because why? Who, who would who would taunt someone that they knew they had just badly injured? I, I I can't imagine anyone do that. But I also get why UND fans are like, you know, take that statement and shove it up your ass. I get it. Like football's emotional on both sides of it. Um, I saw a lot of people say, it's not the hit that bothers me so much, it's the targeting. And I think that's a much more fair reaction to it. The
0: taunting or the targeting?
1: That, that, that you can be upset about the taunting more than the hit. Because okay. I think most people who understand that football is dangerous and football is going to have emotional, physical you know, moments like that, there's only so much you can do about it. The taunting was extra. Um, I'm, I assume Graham feels bad about the taunting. I know John Stiglmire probably feels bad about the taunting. That's, to me, much more of a bad look than just the hit itself.
0: Yeah. Okay, so you thought the taunt was worse. Okay.
1: Um, I, I mean, uh, ta- taunting happens, too. It's just in this particular situation, you just kill a guy, and then you're kind of taunting him. It, it was just a really bad Yeah, thought.
0: I was going to say, packaged all together in a bang-bang thing, it's a bad look, and there's there have been GIFs, uh, you know, that, that's mm-hmm. that's I've seen it, where it's somewhat slow motion, and you're like, yeah, that's all in two, three, four seconds, a really bad look. Uh, having said that, to me, one of the first things I thought of asking you after seeing all this is because, of course, this has created kind of somewhat of a firestorm. UND fans, you mentioned the context of when it happened is all important, not just for the players' sake, but fan reaction in the stadium. I mean, they're all their fans are all kind of already pissed at their team and uh-huh. moaning the fact that this game's out of reach now. It's been a wild swing when they you know they were at halftime sitting pretty good, feeling pretty good, and. Um, and now here's something to really get pissed about. That's not your own team's. You know, it's the other team's mm-hmm. doing, and uh, and we, we all get we all turn into fan. is short for fanatics. We all start to turn irrationally, psychologically haywire, and uh, and then collectively, ten thousand of us at the same time. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a mob or a mafia sort of effect. Um, but I go back and I ask, okay, well, to your knowledge, what kind of gr- player has Graham Spaulding been to this point? Has he had any incidents like this? What's his personality like? Is I've this never met him. I don't, I've okay. never met him. Fair. I'm glad. Y- yeah. But See I've never know. had
1: any reason to, you know, I don't remember. Inc- if, if there were previous incidents like this, I think I'd remember. I mean, yeah. he's played a lot for him. Um Maybe I've met. I don't remember ever having meeting him, but uh, you know, I certainly don't get any impression that he's. I mean, he's kind of a guy who's blended in a little bit. You know, he started at times, came off the bench at times. He's always been a pretty good player, not someone who really stood out. Um, you know, I, and and I'll you know, I think I don't remember if we were talking about this before we started taping or after. But the other thing was the cameras caught him kind of laughing and smiling on the sidelines with Tucker Kraft.
0: And you're talking about the stadium cameras, yes, the people the, in the seats, the, the, could the, see. the
1: big screen. And that was also a bad look. The the UND guys on the field like being tended to by doctors and Grahams on the sideline appearing to smile and laugh about it. Well, he was talking to Tucker Kraft, who had just a few plays earlier got his own unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. And Tucker got that penalty because he said as he was being tackled, someone spit in his mouth. (laughs) And Tucker was not making a big deal out of that. He was just like, you know, because again... If you played football, you know shit like that happens. You know it's kind of barbaric when you're in the trenches, and and Tucker and most, and most people don't know about it. And yeah, and Tucker was just saying because Tucker was actually when he was telling me after the game, he was apologizing for his unsportsmanlike penalties. Like, yeah, that was dumb of me. I should have held my emotions in check. But he was like. But, fuck, like I spit in my mouth, you know? Like, I reacted. And I think he was just telling Graham, well, this is what happened to me. And someone tells you that someone just spit in your mouth on the side. Last I laughed. So, you know, that was yeah. Graham's reaction. And the camera happened to catch him, and it was a bad look or whatever. But
0: Has that ever happened to you? Has anyone ever spit in your mouth?
1: Spit in my mouth? No. Um, I can remember when I was in high school, um, coaches telling us, uh, be careful when there's a fumble. And there's, you know, the scrum of eight oh, guys yeah. trying to recover the fumble. Oh, yeah. Whatever you do, don't put your finger inside anyone's face mask because you might not get it back. That's what I was always
0: talking I I thought they were going yeah. to say someone else is something else because you've that heard too. those there, stories yeah, that no, the bottom of Yeah, scrums. when you get to the bottom of
1: the scrum, punch them in the nuts, you know, punch them in the face, poke their eyes. Mm-hmm. It's it's nasty down there. And, you know, I, I hate to, like, dramatize it or whatever. Um, and, again, I did play a 1,000 years ago, but, you know, Five six years ago, Christian Roseboom had the play at North Dakota State where there was a a pile, and he appeared to grab an NDSU player's foot and twist it. And everyone was acting like Christian had grabbed the guy's foot and tried to rip it off, and it was like blatantly attempting to injure play. And I just remember being like, "So what? Like, it's football. Shit like that happens." You know? No, I don't think Christian was like actually trying to twist the guy's ankle and break his foot off. But you know, there's bodies everywhere, body parts. You're you're literally like dodging 250-pound men running 20 miles an hour at you. Like, just to expect people to like for it to be this clean game where nothing ever happens is just it's just silly to me. You know, mm-hmm. and and when whenever people make accusations that that this program or that program is a dirty program, and I'm not just talking about SDSU. SDSU fans will tell me like, oh USD, they're so dirty, or NDSU so dirty. I, I just don't want to hear it from from either side ever. There's no coaches out there that are teaching their players to do aggressively dirty shit that's, you know, outside the rules. Football's a violent game and it's an emotional game because of its violence. Yeah, sometimes people do stupid shit because of that. But, I mean, the idea that, there's just only so much you can do about it. This is the sport we have agreed to play. When you you put on a helmet and shoulder pads and get in there, you're exposing yourself to a certain risk. That's just the way it is.
0: And besides, you know, the Roseboom story, and then this one, as far as you recall, I mean, have the Jacks been a team known for a lot of unsportsmanlike penalties or personal fouls? Does that happen at an abnormal rate? Is that part of their success? Do they do it any more than anybody else? I don't know.
1: I I was telling somebody, somebody tweeted at me during the game about, boy, the Jacks seem a little undisciplined today. You know, that's a few unsportsmanlike penalties. And I was like, yeah. But then I said, you know what? I'm good with one or two of those per game. Take the 15 yards. I like having a team that has a little bit of, edge to him, whatever you want to say, and kind of sends a message that, you know, if you punch us in the mouth, they're going to punch you back. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not, does that mean that if I was a coach, I'd be running a dirty program? In some people's opinion, maybe. I'm not telling guys to go out and intentionally commit penalties necessarily, but I'm saying like, I'm good with one or two of those a game, you know, to, to send a message that I'm not going to be intimidated. You know, we're going to be a physical football team. All those cliches you hear about, like, that's the kind of football team I want. And Jen Stegemeier is well aware that some people from other fan
0: bases think that's what his team is, beyond what you just said. Some people think he's uh, a dirty
1: program. Dallas Goddard, uh, one year in Fargo, uh, the Jacks fumbled, I think, or threw an interception, and so so SDSU's offense became the defense as the ball was being returned, and Dallas Goddard was trying to tackle whoever on NDSU had the ball, and he kind of punched the guy Dallas said later that he was, like, trying to punch the ball out, like a fumble. And it looked like it was half that and half frustration punch, you know. Mm -hmm. And in the post-game press conference, like, these – I think I told this story just the other day somewhere. Like, these NDSU reporters like, oh, you threw a punch, Dallas. Can you explain why you threw a punch? And I just remember being like, good. (laughs) Who cares, you know? It's it's a rivalry game. He got frustrated and threw a punch. Like, everyone's wearing helmets and shoulder pads. You're not going (laughs) to hurt somebody throwing a punch. I'm not – Like trying to say it's okay for guys to go up. It is abnormal. You don't see it happen very often. It just was like big deal. I I just remember, like, who fucking cares? Like, do I think Dallas Goddard is a. A scumbag, a classless, dirty player, because in the heat of the moment he threw a punch at a guy. No, I, no. Again, I don't. if it's
0: something he regularly did, that's one thing. Right. It's
1: something that happened in the heat of a rivalry
0: game, and, right. and he had a reason to do it, a good reason to do right. it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so that was one part of it. The other part was just uh, sure. John Stiegelmeyer had the great line after the game about how. He, he he's going to live longer if his team stopped doing this to him uh getting behind like they did uh, two touchdowns at NDSU at halftime at same score 21-7 here I know they got a touchdown to make it 21-14 before halftime and then they they just uh boat raced I mean they just uh suffocated UND after that and t- to me it's like okay what there's part of this that I think some Jackrabbit fans, and I don't know about the players and the coaches, are being like, what resiliency on the road get down like that. And, then the, and part of me, okay, I didn't watch the game, but I watched the highlights. It's quite clear SDSU has has better athletes, more playmakers. They made more plays. This this the cream rose to the top, mm-hmm. and that was. Be- I know that doesn't always happen in college football games. That sometimes teams like this just have these nightmare days and and get smothered an entire game and get upset and lose. To teams like UND. And by the way, what was the point spread? Like 10 going in or something like that? I don't know. That. I forgot. Couldn't I have been know. that much. UND's 4-2. and two. But it's not like they this, won it, of 18 at home. It's not like this no. is some miracle. SDSU, you had Tucker Craft back, and then I saw some of the plays where the Yankees are driving guys with them, and Granowski is driving good. guys with them on a run. And you know, I mean, SDSU, they're supposed to. If you're going to be a national championship team, you're supposed to still win games this way. But it was still impressive what they did coming from behind.
1: Yeah, I was. Jack's fans were kind of losing their minds in the first quarter when it was 14 nothing, and. It's funny, I'm not usually the guy who's like Telling Jax fans, calm down It'll be okay, but in this one I kind of was I was surprised how many people Were replying to my tweets and, and DMing me Like, oh my god, I can't believe this is happening Or, here we go again, so much for being number one I'm like, the game just started guys, yeah. like relax And, um, But there was A sense of And I know how much Jimmy Rogers loves it when I I criticize his defense or criticize him, but it's kind of like they're doing the same thing North Dakota State did to you last week. They're just coming out and throwing it like, really, were you not ready for this? But then the way the game played out, I almost thought to myself, is Jimmy Rogers so good at his job and so smart that he was like, we're going to spot him 14, you know, and, and then we'll have him right where we want him and come back. Obviously, that's not the case. I'm only being half serious in saying that. But it looked like the game plan was kind of like, we're going to go ahead and and give them this to start the game. And I don't know if lull them to sleep or whatever. Because, I mean, it just two weeks in a row, North Dakota State and North Dakota, it wasn't like, oh, my God, look at these amazing plays that are being made by... NDSU-UND, it's like nobody's guarding anyone. Like, nobody's covered. Like, they're just walking down the field. Mm. These five-play drives, it's like it's putting up no resistance. And then again, it just it just turned on a dime. And in this game, it was much more pronounced. It was the, a pick six, which is, you know, the single best way to turn the momentum yep. of a football game. Yep. UND's got the ball 14 nothing. They're about to go up 21. Well, no, I shouldn't say about to go up because they weren't driving. But they, they had the ball, a chance to make it a three-score game. And then Tom Schuster made a throw that it was like, I don't know how he made that throw, first of all. And Dyshawn Gale just told me after the game, like, I saw the formation. I knew it was coming. Well, that tells me that Jimmy Rogers knows exactly what he's doing. So is he just waiting till the second quarter to start, you know, moving the right chess pieces or i I don't know i mean i don't understand defensive football well enough to be able to watch it and go oh he's doing this and that i don't know it's just it's amazing to me that that defense has been so incredible this whole season and now the last two weeks they've been so bad in the first quarter and then just able to flip a switch and completely be a different football team for the last three quarters.
0: Well, I'm sure Jimmy will listen to this podcast yeah. and have an answer <laughs> for you without <laughs> without prompting. Next time you run into him, someone will tell him. Maybe yeah. shenanigans sometime. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, then there's the Tucker Craft part. He made his return, and what was it? Five catches, sixty he only had yards. only three catches. Run? Three catches. Okay, yeah, but
1: one was a big touchdown. Yeah, that. Meant and he almost t- returned a onside kick for a touchdown. Yeah,
0: twenty-one yeah. to seven to twenty-one to fourteen. So. Uh, I I go on a local radio show every Friday for a few minutes to talk high school and college football and I mentioned how, you know, yes, UND, sure, this seems like a trap game and they're a good enough team to upset the Jackrabbits, uh, but... Tucker Krafts back and he'll make the difference. And when I said that I'm like, "Come on, don't be that dramatic about it because it doesn't it seems like they could have won the game without him, but he made They big didn't have play. Isaiah Davis. Yeah.
1: I mean, so yeah. they were kind of trading one All-American for another.
0: How much of an impact did he make and how close to 100% does he look?
1: Um I he doesn't look 100% and he told me he wasn't. He sure seemed to imply that if he was 100%, he would have finished off the kickoff return and got a touchdown on it. Um but I mean, it just his presence, you know? I mean, I've Said you over and over just what a, a confident guy he is, uh, what a funny, likable guy he is. I mean, I just imagine that the huddle lights up a little bit with him in there. Yeah. And the players talked about his, his – the word they keep using is presence, just his presence. Yes. Obviously that means catching the football, running the football, and, and doing football things, but also it's the attitude, the, the presence that he brings to the huddle, to the locker room, to the offense as a whole. And you could see it. It was there. And, uh, I, you know, I think he's only going to get better. I mean, he, him and Dallas Goddard aren't exactly the same kind of player, um, but he really does remind me of Dallas in that when he gets the ball in space, when he's able to get up ahead of steam – it looks like a man playing against boys. I mean, it looks like a high school senior playing against a middle school yeah. team. They don't want to try to tackle. Them. Yeah, like they're just like, oh fuck, get out. Let's just get out of the way. You know.
0: Well, and these big, strong, small-town South Dakota dudes. Yeah. Uh, probably he probably drives a pickup truck. I'm sure. <laughs> Not that that's unusual around here. But uh, yeah, he looks like what what a tight end would look like and seem like out of a movie to a degree, especially if he grew up in Timberlake, South Dakota. And I love his quotes. Uh, you know, you you did a side story, a sidebar story on, on his return in the Argus and you mentioned how, I mean his first quote was, I was really wired at first, I had a false start, had a drop, got lit up on the play, but I needed that. I needed to get hit in the face, it was great. <laughs> how many people say that or think that way? And then um, you, you mentioned uh, the pick six and then you mentioned the touchdown that Kraft scored uh, to make it 21-14 and hi Susie. I get some. I just need some water. water? You, you want another? Okay. Really? After complimenting the bud, the freshness of the like Budweiser minutes. in the bottle, so <laughs> pick up your kid at daycare. Um, the uh, you, after the touchdown, his quote was: "Everybody, I love this, Tucker Craft. Everyone always asks me what's my favorite route. My favorite route is anything that makes me look athletic." <laughs> I've never heard anybody say that ever. Uh, that was a simple 15-yard over route. I saw Mark scrambling, and I had to back shoulder it. Susie, quick question: Men wearing sweatpants, yay or nay? You know? <laughs> oh, she's she's making that facial contortion that suggests she yay. has to think about this. I prefer the athletic shorts. Okay. But sweatpants will be okay. Like out in public, even to the Gateway, which is a pretty casual place. As long as they're not tattered and. Okay, like these. It you depends know. on how good looking the guy oh, is, doesn't even it? Oh, I <laughs> wearing sweatpants. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's why I'm asking it. I wouldn't ask it if you knew that. Yeah. Those look good. Okay. I don't see any holes, these look. What's that? I don't
1: see any holes.
0: Enough. No, there's they're no holes. Dirty, no, they're not frumpy. So. Yeah, they're relatively new. Okay. Thank. You. An do an some game. of your do some of your male bartenders wear the uh, they wear the sweatpants? Yeah. J- I knew it. The, did it one time, y- and Yeah. gave a real bad J- time. Okay. But, oh, so now we get o- to wear Oh, o- and he never does it anymore. I only saw it once. Uh, okay. So, but you're yeah. wearing, I mean, those aren't sweatpants, but, no, you know. No, but these These are comfortable. Yeah. Once okay. You, once you get in these, it's hard to wear anything
1: else. <laughs> it really is. Got it.
0: And, you know, I can move around. I'm agile in these. I can move fast and make drinks quickly for everybody. Okay. So, it works for you. Yeah, i Okay, that's a good excuse. That's, it's, you're dedicated to the craft. All right, thank you, Susie. There, that was a fun minute that we'll never get back. Um, she can
1: wear those pants whenever she wants. <laughs> uh,
0: I think it does kind of come down to the size and the look of the individual. Uh, anyway, so yeah, he's. I, I just my favorite route is anything that makes me look athletic. Um, that was the hardest part of the touchdown, making the catch, securing the ball. From there I had to dodge, duck, and dive. That's that was my I'm back moment. Again, I just, guys just don't usually say this. Um what is my favorite route is anything that makes me look athletic mean? Does it does he mean like to NFL scouts or
1: is uh, he just being funny or I think he means to NFL scouts for the most part. Okay. He means like he wants the ball. Like yeah. and then to be able to do stuff after he has the ball. That's what he means by that, I think. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's Isaiah Davis's status? I don't think it's – I mean, John told us last week that he was probably going to play against UND. And then I heard that Isaiah was telling everyone, oh, I'm definitely playing. So I was surprised that he didn't play. Um, but now that I saw that he didn't play in that game and having had a couple more conversations – uh i don't think he's gonna play on saturday well
0: i mean it's indiana state they're one and six oh and four in the league they did mm-hmm. give ndsu trouble into the most of their quarter. games have been close yeah, yeah. they're not
1: terrible um, they're better in their record but they're not a team that should be good enough to be i have Jacks. not
0: seen a line it's hobo days and depending on how you want to look at it it'll be uh it should be a good crowd because there's been great crowds this year the weather doesn't appear to be terrible that's helped.
1: i bet there'll be at least sixteen thousand.
0: uh and uh right and you know they had their quote unquote hobo day letdowns like northern iowa Few years ago, but anyway, um, should you know, should be a route, and they're going to be playing at the same time as the Coyotes, or so I think they're both two o'clock games. Uh, two o'clock for your SDSU, one o'clock for the Yotes. Uh, if you want to come watch east. those games, they're at Youngstown State. Those games plus more. It's, I, it, I like the college football slate on Saturday. There's a lot of interesting games at 11 and 2:30. Uh, at 11, you got Ohio State, Penn State. That's always a big TCU, West Virginia's a fun Big 12 game. Florida, Georgia 2.30, Illinois, Nebraska. Illinois is only a 10-point favorite. They're number 17. Big debate for uh, Husker fans. Should the students, would it be socially acceptable for the students to rush the field if they beat 17th-ranked Illinois?
1: Let's uh, cross that bridge when we get to it, as
0: they say. <laughs> uh, we'll see. That'll That'll help Mickey Joseph's case if he has one at all. Uh, to be uh, Nebraska's next head coach. But anyway, there's a lot of great games that will be on. They'll be here at the Gateway Lounge. Watch them all at once. Don't worry about your remote and flipping things around and being at your house and watching one TV here, one TV there, your laptop. here. Just come here and enjoy the games. Do the same thing on an NFL Sunday. Uh, The Yotes are at Youngstown coming off what you called a season saver, the win over uh, a ranked Southern Illinois team. They're ranked about what Illinois's ranked, so I wonder if uh, the Yotes fans thought about storming the field, but I don't think they did. 27 uh, 24. We got a little quarterback controversy at USD.
1: Um, I don't know how. I know Bob uh, is trying to play like, oh, I don't know. I haven't decided ever, but you've got to stick with Aiden Bauman. Uh, Carson Camp's had a really tough year. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it's all Carson Camp's fault, but. From talking to some people who cover the team, who are around the team, it just sounds like Carson Camp has lost his confidence. Looks like he's afraid to make mistakes. And when Aiden Bauman stepped in, first of all, he came from Iowa State. He's the son of Todd Bauman. Like he's got some serious pedigree. So it's not like he's just some random guy coming off the bench. This might have been a matter of time. Right. Maybe earlier than we thought. And on top but the thing is Aiden Bauman didn't come in and light it up. If you look at the stats, like he it looked almost like he was maybe a little bit of a game manager more than anything. But a couple people who were at the game told me like the, the just the everything changed just the momentum, just the, the the way the entire Coyote team just responded to him coming into the game. It was like that was just the spark they needed. And Bob Nielsen alluded to that in his post-game press conference. He's like he made made pains to not blame Carson Camp. You know, it's like it wasn't so much that I was benching Carson Camp as it was like, this team needs a spark. We need something to try and light a fire under our asses. And sometimes making a change at that position, I believe those are Bob's exact words, sometimes making a change at that position can have that effect. And that's exactly what happened. You you can't go back You, you have to at least start Aiden Bauman on Saturday. If he runs into struggles again you can go back to Carson camp and I know coaches a lot of times are afraid to bench a guy and then bring him back in because then you feel like it's back and forth back and forth and who knows who's playing but let's face it USD is kind of in desperation mode here. Yep. I mean if they win out I still think they can make the playoffs but that's, what, that's where they're at. They have to win out. Every game mm-hmm. is a must win the rest of the way. Yep. And also uh, I'm not so sure that Bob Nielsen isn't coaching for his job here too. So there's an awful lot at stake here. So, I, you know, you got to do whatever you got to do, whether that means you're constantly changing quarterbacks or playing two quarterbacks or whatever it is. Everything's got to be on the table. Give you gotta it a be ready to throw the kitchen sink.
0: Give it a shot and see what works. You know, I, I'm not always a total prescriber to the theory that if you have two quarterbacks, you have right. none. Right. It's got you, you got to consider the situation, and uh, you know, you're, you're at that point in the season for both of these quarterbacks that neither of them should have a very long leash, and that sometimes that makes them play with more psychological pressure, which might make them play worse. Uh, or it might make them play better but either way it's urgency and that's exactly the situation usd is in um you know it's interesting you mentioned this because a quick story i had a cousin who was a uh, quarterback at the university of illinois and he came at six, four, one of those classic pocket passer big guys. Um, he backed up Jeff George when Jeff George say, was at Illinois. Is your cousin Jeff George. He backed up Jeff George as a freshman, uh-huh. and then uh, and there was another freshman in his class who was like five nine and kind of considered an afterthought because he was five nine. My uh-huh. cousin was six four, uh-huh. and uh, you know piloted his team to a state championship. Uh, anyway, in Illinois. And uh, we go my cousin's freshman year, not his red shirt, but his freshman freshman year. Uh, we had already, before the season started, decided we're going to go to the Ohio State game. You know, Ohio State's Ohio State, and, it was, and they were back in 1989 at Champaign. Illinois is like a top-20 program at the time. Uh, so we were all excited, and, uh, you know, Jeff George was going to play, right? So we weren't even expecting our cousin to play. As it turned out, my cousin got a blood clot, and so instead of going to watch him, you know, suit up and play and, or back up Jeff George, we went to the hospital to see him, and then we went to the game, and then Jeff George gets hurt in the game and gets knocked out of the game, and then this little 5'9 shrimp comes in, throws for like 250 yards, they <laughs> win, everybody goes crazy. I mean, you think the backup quarterback is everybody's favorite player. How about the third string right. little shrimp? Right. You know, and then, of course, it's the, so after the season's over, it's and Jeff George has moved to the NFL, it's, you know, Jeff Kinney versus Jason Verduzco, it's this big thing. Uh-huh. And then because – This kid had, you know, seen a little playing time and done a few nice things while my cousin was just sitting in a hospital. Uh Of course, he got the start because of that. Plus, he was kind of a fan Uh favorite. Anyway... He, he kept the job well enough for the next three years that my cousin only had real one shot to play tr- meaningful minutes. And it, it took a popular guy like Verduzco to finally play like two or three bad games in a row. My cousin finally came in and had two nice wins, including at Ohio State. He won a game at Ohio State. Very next week, he throws two interceptions because he was the backup, uh-huh. my cousin was. Uh-huh. Throws two interceptions against Iowa st- at home, stadium boos, and the coach feels all the pressure. Put put our little put our little <laughs> d- put our little shit hero who can't see over the line. <laughs> I sound a little bitter and I am uh, into the game and that was it for my cousin. So uh, you know and and that coach by the way by that time uh, his job was on the line. In fact he got fired right. after the season. So when you're working with a quarterback situation like that it's kind of it is kind of like who's hot in the moment. Coyote uh, Eric's thoughts when it comes to Bob not saying who's going to start at Youngstown State. He says, Bob's being coy like you just did. I don't know how he can go back to camp without Bauman struggling and getting pulled out. We've never won at Youngstown State, so they can't start camp and fall behind and expect to come back with Bauman replacing him like they did at home. Camp is a broken man right now he just needs some time to clear his head he was playing scared and not seeing the field his fumble that got him pulled was the ball slipping out of his hand as he scrambled to the right simply dropped the ball right in front of the usd bench and siu fell on it it was middle school stuff that was the straw that broke the camel's back offense had been so bad that the time of possession in the first half was usd six minutes siu 24. no defense can win games on the field that much second half usd had more time of possession um, Bauman came into audible cheers, uh, Crowd ch- came into audible cheers from the crowd with a couple minutes left in the half. Immediately the offense had better body language and a notable pep in their step, See, just, O-line yeah, blocking, magically better. Bauman drove them right down the field, blah, 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 blah. He had a couple really strong throws to wide sides. He has some zip on the ball, accurate deep balls, uh, just like that. The dome had energy. Add to it that they were getting out of the huddle much quicker. No delay of game penalties. Everything was crisp. Unfortunately, it might be too late. Playoff's nearly impossible. Uh, We all know the schedule has been brutal. And the schedule next year is considerably easier with the MVFC schedule format if they can finish strong and look competent we can say what happened to us was basically what happened to UND last year an off year with a tough schedule but no reason to make a panic move and come back stronger the next year Bob finds a new offensive coordinator quarterback's coach and then have an open competition with Bauman and Camp, assuming both return, let the best man win the job. There are very few seniors on the team with all the extra COVID years, so use this as a springboard for 2023. Defense has been very good. I would hate to lose the D.C. and that staff because of a tough schedule, O.C. with personal issues, and a broken quarterback ruined a season. So in in Coyote Eric's mind, at least this week, no matter what happens, give Bob another chance.
1: Do you think he has that much of a, of a um, chance? I mean, things <laughs> were just going really badly. And it was kind of like, I've been hearing that Bob's job is very much on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think winning on Saturday, and it was a, you know, a good win, homecoming, yep. ranked team, uh, that, that can make a difference. Um, but I think how this, this team finishes is really important if it looks like this team is still playing for him, that they still believe that he can still get some out of them. Um, I'm not saying I don't think a decision has been made, um, but if if they had continued to go the way things had been going prior to this week, I didn't okay. like his chances. I know
0: you got to go. Have you been watching any uh, championship series, baseball? I have been able to. I haven't oh, okay. watched an
1: inning. It's, it's hard to really root for any and of And now that that, I mean, I, I guess I take that back. I watched a few innings of the Phillies. And I was kind of a Phillies fan as a kid when they had, like, Lenny Dykstra and John Kruk and Darren Dalton and all those guys. So I guess I'm kind of rooting for the Phillies. Yeah, same here.
0: Uh, I uh, Say hi to Jen, uh, say hi to Arthur, and uh, I think I'm going to go look for some new jeans.
1: (laughs) Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. (laughs) <laughs> Fuck you! You guys, you know, uh, rum drinks? Uh, yes. <laughs>